You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Just you're constantly talking with Him. Now think about this. Wouldn't it make sense that if for no other reason God might allow those times of ambiguity, even calamity, confusing circumstances, uncertainty, if for no other reason to get us all to Himself. Because isn't it true that we're always closer to the Lord in adversity? Do you feel like you are walking in a season of hardship? Today, Pastor J.D. teaches you through his message that sometimes God uses our adverse seasons to grow us closer to Him. Pastor J.D. encourages you to continue to take all your cares to the Lord. He's with you through every valley and mountaintop. Trust in Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 89 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 89 is kind of a long psalm, very interesting psalm as we'll see here momentarily. We're told that it is a contemplation of Ethan the Ezraite. Verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, verse 2, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. Notice the change in verse 3. Your seed, God, speaking to David, verse 4, I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. Pause. Consider. Meditate. Think about it. And verse 5, the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be held in reverence by all those around Him. Oh my goodness. (laughs) To me, this is the lost jewel in the church today, this reverence for the Lord, this fear, this reverent fear of God, and not in the way that we've painted it and understood it. The fear of the Lord, the Proverbs says, is the beginning of wisdom. And also the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to revere with a holy reverence of Almighty God, in awe of Him, in adoration of Him, and who He is. This is the reverence that we have for God. 
I think of the, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord teaching us how to pray. Our Father, our Father, collectively, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now that's not a word we use very often, is it? It's not really in our vocabulary. I would even venture to say there, there's not many who even know what it means to hallow His name. It is to be in awe of His nature, who He is. Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, as we're going to see here, shortly. Who, who is man? What is man that you're even mindful of him? We are mere man in all of our fallen frailty, and yet your thoughts toward us are innumerable, incalculable. And our response is to hallow his name, to revere him, to fear him in his awesome mightiness and magnificence. That's what it means to revere the Lord. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens, verse 11, are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. Righteousness and justice, verse 14, are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long and in your righteousness they are exalted, for you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield, verse 18, belongs to the Lord, and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have given help to the one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. Speaking of course of David, as we see now in verse 20. I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him with whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. You'll forgive me, but I kind of like verse 23. I kind of like it when God does that on my behalf. 
I want God to beat down my foes before my face and plague those who hate me. That's what he says of David that he will do for David. Verse 24, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. Also I will set his hand over the sea, and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Please be patient with the psalmist. He's going somewhere with all of this. Also verse 27, I will make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever. Speaking of the Savior who would come from the seed, the lineage of David. This was the promise that God had made to him. You cannot build me a house. Too much blood on your hands, David. But here's the deal. I'm going to build you a house. You have no idea that the Savior of the world is going to come from your lineage. He will be the son of David, from the lion of the tribe of Judah, from you, David. So verse 29, his seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven, if, verse 30, his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky, Selah. Verse 38, I want you to notice the first word in verse 38, because it changes the whole complexion of the entire psalm. But, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't like where this is going. I don't like the corner that this is turning. But, you have cast off and abhorred. What? Wait a minute. This was grand and glorious, verses 1 through 37. What happened? Oh, apparently the whole tone of this is going to change. But you have cast off and abhorred. You have been furious with your anointed. You have renounced the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. You have broken down all his hedges. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by the way plunder him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. It's almost like, God, you've not kept your word. God, 
what are you doing? What, what, what's happening? Verse 42, it gets worse. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all of his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword and have not sustained him in the battle. You have made his glory cease and cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth you have shortened. You have covered him with shame, Selah. How long, Lord? Verse 46. Will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created all the children of men? What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Selah. Lord, where are your former loving kindnesses, which you swore to David in your truth? Kind of see what the psalmist is doing here and why he went into great detail describing the promise that God made to David, the covenant that God made. And now he's saying, what happened to that? What happened to what you swore to David in your truth? Verse 50, remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. And then verse 52 is kind of odd. It's kind of like somebody took the pen from the psalmist and said, give that thing to me. What's the matter with you, boy? I'll, I'll, I'll end this thing. We need to end this thing. So here's verse 52. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. What? <laughs> what? So wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, let me, let me see if I got this straight. Remember you, you swore to David you would do this. You're not going to keep that, that oath now? <laughs> oh Lord, you, you, we have become a reproach. And by the way, I don't have much time. And I, I'm, I'm going to go to the grave like everybody else does. So Lord, <laughs> what is going on? And then verse 52, blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen. You know, in our day, they have clinical terms for this. And I won't go into that. I think you know what they are. It's a difficult psalm. Would you agree? Kind of almost, and I, for lack of a better word, would say it's almost really kind of confusing. And the psalmist seems really conflicted. I mean, to the degree in which it seems like, even sounds like, he's having a crisis of faith here. I mean, the first part, it just starts off so wonderful, and then it just goes so badly, <laughs> very quickly, from verse 38 on. It seems to me that the psalmist is unable to reconcile the past goodness of God with what seems to be the present calamity from the hand of God. And he's crying out because it seems like his prayer and his cry is just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back. It's like God is hiding from him, like, like get away from me. Like God has somehow 
seen fit to do the unthinkable and forsake Him. And this is a crisis of faith. Doubt has set in, in the silence from God. God, why don't you respond to me? God, why do you hide from me? Have you ever had those times in your life when it just seemed like that God was so silent? And at a time when you really needed Him to speak very clearly and reveal Himself to you, especially in that trial that you're in, and He doesn't. The prayer goes unanswered. The cries go unheard. To me, this is one of those places in God's Word where I ask myself, okay, Lord, I know that every word in the Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and given for a purpose. But you're going to have to help me understand what the purpose uh, of this psalm is. Why is it in our Bibles? What do you want us to learn from it and see in it? Because clearly this is kind of a difficult one to understand. Surely there has to be a reason that you would deem fit to include it in the canon of Scripture and have it be in our Bibles. So what's the answer? What does God want us to see here? What does God want us to learn from this difficult psalm and conflicted psalmist? Well, I'm of the belief that while the first part of the psalm is grand and glorious, and the second part is confusing and catastrophic, that the lesson of the psalm is how it ends in praise regardless. No, someone didn't take the pen and write verse 52. No, that was the conclusion of the conflicted psalmist. In other words, the end of the matter, Solomon writes, is is better than the beginning. The end of the matter is, Lord, you're good. What's happening in my world right now, it makes absolutely no sense, and it contradicts in every way, all the way, your goodness. But I'm not going to look at that. It doesn't make sense. I I know what it looks like. I know what I see. It, It looks like the oath that you swore, the promise that you made, you're not going to make good on. But that's not really what's happening here. I know that's what it looks like. You know, when we look at the circumstances in our lives, they can be very confusing and they can contradict what you know to be true about God. He is good, and only good can come from God. Now, the situation around you is anything but good. In fact, it's really bad. And so there's this uncertainty. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, with crying out to God in prayer, which I would suggest is actually another reason that we have this psalm in our Bibles. Were it not for the confusing circumstances contradicting the goodness of God, we would be hard pressed to have a psalm where the psalmist is crying out to God in this way. Isn't it true that it's when the circumstances are so confusing 
and catastrophic and contradictory. Isn't it true that that's when we call upon the Lord? That's when we cry out to the Lord? I mean, when things are going good, let's be honest. I, you know, I was just thinking about this this last week. In fact, it was part of my prayer journal. I was talking to the Lord. I better said He was talking to me about this. And it has to do with when things are going really, really good. And I noticed because, I, you know, I go back over my prayer journal and, you know, there are some days where, I mean, just, oh, God is so good. You know, it was a, it was a good day. You know, that, I, I prayed about this, God answered my prayer, that happened. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And my prayer journal might, you know, sometimes there maybe a couple, three paragraphs. But boy, I have a, a Psalm 89 day. You had a Psalm 89 day, haven't you? <laughs> Some of you are going, Psalm 89 day, what are you talking about? <laughs> How about a Psalm 89 year? And, and you're going, what in the, and oh, oh, interesting. That prayer journal that's usually about three or four paragraphs, It's three or four pages now. Oh, I see how it is. And so this is what the Lord was talking to me about. I love the intimacy and the closeness all day throughout the day when you're just in that constant conscious communion with me. Like the Apostle Paul says, pray continually. Throughout the day, you're just continually, constantly talking with the Lord and He's talking to you. Every little thing. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for that phone call. What a blessing that phone call was. Thank you for that email. Or, (laughs) conversely, Lord, what do you want me to do about that email? Whoa, I could have gone the rest of my life without receiving an email like that. And you're just constantly bringing all of your ways to the Lord at every turn. Every phone call, every email, every meeting, every discussion, everything. Every prayer for a parking spot. Just you're constantly talking with Him. Now think about this. Wouldn't it make sense that if for no other reason God might allow those times of ambiguity, even calamity, confusing circumstances, uncertainty, if for no other reason to get us all to Himself, Because isn't it true that we're always closer to the Lord in adversity? And this is what the Lord's been ministering to me as of late. That during times of prosperity, I don't have that closeness with the Lord that I do when I'm going through times of adversity. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 